Welcome to the Plant Rich Podcast, where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? crows calling, or flickers, or chickadees, no robins squabbling over the cedar berries. I'm sitting at my desk next to my water fountain as the afternoon light streams in gold through the windows, illuminating the cat's claw vine that has taken over our south-facing bedroom window where a stained glass goddess hangs, purchased from a local artist. Today I wanna talk about home and sanctuary. I've been hearing from several of you this week about this deepening call back to the hearth, which is something we've been talking about here on the podcast for a while, back to our own bodies back to knowing who we are, what we want, where we're going. Last night I dreamed of a chicken wire fence around my garden that was rolled back to create an opening. And in the roll that had sort of coiled up by opening the fence, there was a nest of baby ducks And the symbolism of that dream has been working in me all day. This opening of boundaries in the sacred places where we live and where we worship and where we find community. For I personally have gotten really, really good at creating boundaries to keep people out. And now it's time to create more boundaries to let people in the kind of boundaries that explain who I am to people, but don't come from a place of guardedness, defensiveness, expecting the worst. In the earliest part of my trauma healing, my boundaries had to be really, really rigid, like fences, until I could remember what a container of safety felt like for me in my own body, in my own home. And now that I know what that feels like, I can protect that sacred safety and invite people in to experience it with me. I don't have to be alone to feel safe anymore. And for a really long time, I did. The only places I felt safe were out in nature, in the wild, alone alone in the sense of being with no other humans, but I never felt alone in nature. I knew the trees saw me, I knew the birds saw me, and the foxes, who I never saw, but I could smell their musk and I knew they were watching, and the deer whose white tails flicked as they moved silently away from me. 
I was never alone in nature, but I felt so safe there. And now slowly, I'm learning how to stay safe in human relationships too. I recently did a series on my private personal Facebook page around red flag warning signs in relationships. Gaining the perspective, discernment, and clarity to recognize these patterns of behavior has been one of the ways that I've learned to cultivate safety for myself in human relationships. When I was very young, I had no boundaries. I loved everyone with an open heart, very fully, and I expected that my job was to be selfless and help in every way I could with every person I could. And although honorable, that way of living, in my life at least, quickly led to burnout in my 20s because I chose um, really high stakes ways of being of service to people. And not only did it lead to burnout that persisted over a decade, it also led to compounded trauma by putting myself in situations that were really unsafe. Things like working uh, in dangerous parts of the city as a home care nurse with really vulnerable populations who were known to be in high crime areas and actively drug using. But I believed that the power of my will to help would keep me safe. That belief only went so far. Um, my body really registered the stress of that environment, even though my mind told me that my goodness, my devotion would keep me safe. And you know, I'm really glad I was able to do that for the period of time that I did. We need people who are willing to serve vulnerable communities in dangerous situations. And I'm glad that my soul answered that call to do that for the period of time that I did. I learned so much about myself, about the systemic injustice within our community, about the failures of our leaders to actually change anything, about the resilience of the human spirit, about the goodness that exists even in the most dangerous places. It was truly one of the most enlivening and enlightening periods of my life. And it came with a great toll on my nervous system. But that kind of work was sort of the hallmark of my relationships. I tended to get into relationships with people who were high need, uh, people who had severe illness or unstable home situations or mental illness or um, really, really unconventional living styles. Um, and all of that is part of who I am. I'm, I gravitate to the margins. And I'm, I'm not wanting to change that about myself necessarily, but I have to be really cognizant of how unsafe those situations can be. Even when I'm trying my hardest to be compassionate and empathetic and kind. And through a lot of hard work with my therapist, 
over the past few years, I've begun to understand this um, dynamic between people who live in a state of constant need and people who live in a state of constant guilt and how this cycle feeds a really dangerous dance that leads to burnout and betrayal and sabotage. And I was unwittingly living inside that system for a long time. I'm so grateful that system does not exist in my home. For a lot of people, their home lives, their romantic relationships, their relationships with their children, also move around that dynamic of high need and high guilt. One person constantly in need of validation, reassurance, labor, emotional and physical labor, um, and another person who feels completely bound to helping out of obligation and guilt, not from a place of love and generosity. As I've started to deconstruct this dynamic in my own life and make more choices about how I relate to people, and I'm not relating out of compulsory guilt, I find that I have more capacity for true generosity. That when I give and help, it's coming from a place of equity and overflow and abundance not from a power differential, which is where a lot of my relationships were rooted before I understood this. Being the helper made me feel powerful, which was masking a deep powerlessness underneath that dynamic. I'm sharing this sort of vulnerable information with you today because I think that this is a really widespread situation that many of us find ourselves in, in the media and on social media these days, the word narcissist has become sort of front and center um, in the minds of people. And it's our favorite new enemy, our favorite new scapegoat, the narcissist. Um, I generally try to stay away from buzzwords and labels because they um, turn our minds off. They, they make us think we understand things that I don't think we maybe truly grasp the complexity of. And um, it's so easy for us to say, oh, that person is a narcissist and now they're not a human anymore. And we're on the other side of a line that we don't ever want to be on the other side of where we dehumanize another person. And a lot of this dance I've been in all my life has been with people who carry a lot of narcissistic traits. I would not say that they are narcissists. I don't even know if a person can be fully anything. I think we are pretty um, arrogant to think that we can put a whole person into any kind of box and they fit in perfectly. Um, but narcissistic traits, in my understanding, can be really positive. In fact, we need them to function well in the world. These are the traits that tell us that we matter, that having our needs met is important, 
that it's okay for us to take up space and have power over our own lives. These are positive narcissistic traits. Negative narcissistic traits come from a place of emptiness, not a self that we are protecting with proper boundaries and willingness to put in hard work, but a self that feels totally shallow, empty, maybe defiled in some way. And then when we look out onto the world through the narcissistic worldview, we don't see other people who are complex and have their own needs and lives. We see opportunity for relief of our suffering. And we will use those people in any way we can to have our suffering relieved without regard for the wholeness of that person and without any connection to our own wholeness. And for me, that is the great tragedy of this narcissistic culture that we live in, in the West, that we've been able to reduce other humans to objects We've been able to reduce landscapes to resources. We've been able to reduce our animal kin to tools for our survival without honoring their wholeness and their complexity. And so by interrupting this pattern in our relationships and saying, I will no longer participate in this narcissistic dance where I consent to my own dehumanization, I consent to my own objectification to meet the needs of the one who seems to have more power, the one who is displaying the narcissistic traits. When I no longer am complicit in that story, then I am taking the power out of that story personally and collectively. Not only will I not allow myself to be objectified, I will not participate in the objectification of anyone. Not only will I no longer ignore my own needs, my own safety, my own desires, I'm interrupting that whole dynamic within the culture. We can no longer ignore the needs of anyone if we want to move through these um, really challenging times together. And so how, back to my dream, how do we build a nest within our boundaries, a place that is sanctuary? And I think the place where I'm no expert, you know, I'm just really in the healing process of this myself. But I think about what does it actually mean to create a healthy boundary with someone? I've got a few really wonderful new friends in my life who are displaying really healthy behaviors and it feels so safe and so welcoming and so wonderful. And I haven't had to set boundaries with these folks yet because they come into the relationship really conscious of their own needs and mine. We are both subjects. 
They know that I have a, a whole life outside of our relationship. And they expect for me to attend to my life and to give time to the relationship when I can. Whereas in relationships I've had in the past, people I was in relationship with were not interested in my life outside the relationship and really expected me to prioritize the needs inside of our relationship over anything going on outside of our relationship, um, which I now know is not healthy. <laughs> and so in these new friendships, there haven't needed to be any no boundaries because they're healthy. So I'm getting to practice yes boundaries or this nest in the fence um, symbol that my riddle mother, my dreaming mind gave me. How can I invite people in to a more intimate experience of our relationship? How can I let people see me more fully? In past relationships, my identity was as someone who's helpful, someone who has knowledge or resources that makes life easier for someone else. That is the way I showed up everywhere that I showed up, with my family, with my friends, in my community. And so I was really wearing a persona, a mask of helpfulness that did not take into account the larger complexity of my own life and the needs of my family. I can really thank chronic illness for breaking this down because I, no, I was no longer someone who had answers and resources. I became someone in need of answers and resources. And that shift in the power dynamic started to put cracks in the foundation of this persona that I had developed over decades. And now I'm, I'm left with a broken mask. <laughs> and through that, light gets in. And I get to have new experiences because I'm not performing anymore. So in these new relationships, I'm taking more chances. I'm sharing more of my own hopes and dreams, my own desires, my own reservations, my weaknesses. I'm asking for help and advice. Mm -hmm. I'm sharing things that I want to celebrate. These are yes boundaries. Let me share with you something that I'm really excited about. Do, I, do you have space right now for me to ask you advice about something? Can I share with you a picture that I took of our kids the other night? I want you to know me more deeply. I want you to see me in more of my fullness. Do you have the space for that right now? Do you have the interest in that right now? And it's always, yes, my friends are, I mean, they don't always have the space for it, but they always have the interest. And it feels so new and so good to allow myself to be known in more dimensions. Because as I share more of myself, I get to know more of myself too. Those parts of myself I locked away to stay being the helper, 
were parts of me that I didn't get to know either, that were sort of shoved into a closet <laughs> or into the shadow, as Jungian psychoanalysts would say. And so as we are coming back to ourselves, and I really think this is a message that so many of us are getting that is coming up from the deep thrumming heartbeat of the earth herself. She's saying, come home, come home. Remember who you are. Remember what is important. And as we do that, and we come into deeper relationship with ourselves, now we have the opportunity to come into deeper relationship with each other, with the landscape where we live, with the animals who we share that landscape with, with the people that we choose to let into our lives, who we've decided are safe. So to end this podcast, I'm going to share some of the red flags that I wrote about in my Red Flags post. And these red flags are part of what some people would label as a narcissistic dynamic. Again, I think that using that label allows us to scapegoat people. Um, But I do think that learning about that dynamic in its general form can really help us understand some of the sticky situations we may have gotten ourselves into in relationship. So I'm not against understanding the generalization and the label, but I do struggle to try to shove any person into that label because we all have narcissistic traits that exist across a a continuum. Some are more healthy in their expression and some are less healthy in their expression. But these are some of the ways that that dynamic has played out in my relationships that have been especially damaging. In the beginning of the relationship with people that turned out to be engaging this dynamic, this dance with me, I heard these kinds of things. No one ever understands me. I'm so empathetic and devoted and I never get that in return. Everyone always hurts me, turns their back on me, betrays me, abandons me. I am always giving, 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 and I never get anything back. You are the only person who understands me. You are the only person who makes me feel safe. You make everything so easy and fun, and I actually enjoy being with you. I've never met anyone who gets me the way you do. These phrases can be true for some people, And for those people who've actually experienced this, I wish them joy and deep reciprocal relationship. I hope that comes to them. For me, in relationships that started out with a lot of this language, I find that the relationship is never reciprocal and it was not meant to be. That I endlessly give my time, my labor, favors, And in return, what I receive are criticisms, harsh demands, and rigid boundaries. The one who is endlessly in need and never satisfied 
will never be satisfied with you. The one who is hypercritical of everyone will be hypercritical of you. The one who is deeply resentful of all relationships will deeply resent you. The sooner you can spot this, the sooner you can get out, or if you can't get out, make your boundaries really, really clear. Some other red flags that I experienced. If you are always measuring your words and trying to say the right thing, because you know there is punishment, criticism, or withdrawal, the silent treatment, if you say the wrong thing, that's a red flag. If any kind of disagreement or deviation from complete alignment with that person causes defensiveness or punishment, that's a red flag. If you feel rigidity, cold dread, or an uneasy feeling in the pit of your stomach every time you are together or know you're going to be together, or every time your phone dings with a communication from them, that's a red flag. If your boundaries are regularly violated by this person, but there's punishment if you stray slightly from their expectations, that's a red flag. If you feel them fishing around inside you energetically looking for something, and it is a creepy feeling, <laughs> that is a red flag. If every time you share a success, a new idea, an insight, they latch onto that and want to monetize it, own it, or replicate it for themselves, that is a red flag and one that I've experienced so many times. If you feel like the only way to be safe and comfortable in the relationship is to follow their unspoken rules, which seem to always be changing, and somehow it's your fault for not understanding them, that is a red flag. And if you've experienced these things in relationships, you are not crazy. There's nothing wrong with you. You aren't too sensitive. You're not bad at relationships. You're not too needy or any of the stories you tell yourself to justify your discomfort so that you'll take on the blame. This dynamic depends on you taking all the blame and constantly trying to do it better, to be better, to show up better. But when we realize that we are fine just the way we are and that our opinions, successes, perspectives all matter and belong to us and should be welcome in our relationships, then we can start breaking out of this dance. For me, the core of it was when I was no longer willing to internalize blame and take responsibility for other people's experiences. As I've moved through this healing process, I've shared a lot of it with our 18-year-old daughter, who is wildly brilliant and compassionate. And there are two nuggets of wisdom that she shared with me through all of this. The first was, and I think I've shared this on the podcast before, but it's worth repeating. She said, you can't see red flags when you are wearing rose-colored glasses. And that is so true. <laughs> And the second one is clear is kind. So when I 
try to shift the dynamics in a relationship without being clear, without speaking up about my own needs and my perspectives, I'm not being kind. I'm being passive aggressive, which is actually a form of manipulation. Being clear is being kind. Honesty is freedom. And allowing people to demonstrate if they actually accept me for who I am and accept my needs and views, or if they don't, is a beautiful liberation, even if it's painful. And when I'm not wearing my rose-colored glasses, I get to see people's actions and let those actions tell me who they are. Not their words, not the potential I can see inside them, not the wounds that I sympathize with, not the goodness that I see as a radiant possibility, but their actions, their behaviors. When I watch what they do and how they do it, then I know who they are and I can make an empowered choice in the relationship. Knowing how to see clearly what's going on in relationships for me has been a huge part of what allows me to make yes boundaries because I know what kind of people, what kind of relationships are safe for me to open the fences in. But I wasn't able to know that until I let myself know what wasn't healthy. Till I let myself see the way I was participating in this dynamic through lots of passive aggressiveness and resentment and giving my power away. It took my participation for these relationships to continue to play out in the way that they did. And I was willing to participate because of huge amounts of guilt inside me of unknown origin. (laughs) I just felt like if anyone else was unhappy, what right did I have to be happy? And so I would postpone my happiness endlessly to meet the needs of people whose needs could never be met. And now I know through lots of work and healing that my happiness is my, it's okay to have it. It's mine. And I don't have to give it up for someone else. But when I let myself really have it, really enjoy it, then I'm so much more generous because I actually feel and appreciate the abundance available to me and all around me. I don't have to punish myself into being helpful or giving. It happens naturally when I allow myself joy and when I don't allow people close to me who I know will take from me without giving anything back or who will hurt me because they see me as an object, a tool, not another complex human. I'm sorry if you can hear Mia barking in the background. It's been busy around here lately. And she's a really good guard dog. May we all find our way into a new way of being in relationship with each other that is easy and generous and allows all the parts of us to be seen and cared for.
if you would like to support the podcast. You can find a link at plantwitchpodcast.com or you can go directly to Patreon at patreon.com slash the rebel herbalist. We welcome your financial support and we also welcome your participation in this vibrant community of humans who are working together to rejoin the web of life. The audio that you hear for the intro and outro of this podcast is the song Vikings by Alan Gray. Thank you for joining me for the Plant Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Schrader. I'm an herbalist, a mother, a holistic nurse, and a practitioner of the ancient ways. Thank you for joining me, and it's time to come back to life.